fans. This is John Glover from uh, Smallville, and you are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This episode brought to you by Michael Crate and James Husband. Special love goes out to Lee Kemp, who manages our Facebook page. If you like what you're hearing here on the Sci-Fi Diner, feel free to leave us a tip at patreon.com backslash sci-fi, spelled the right way. And by Audible. Get a free audiobook when you sign up today. Audibletrial.com backslash sci-fi diner. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, where we serve up interviews, news, and our view on the world of science fiction. Come grab a chair and enjoy the conversations. I'd say we've got an unexpected guest. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Hello. Yes, who's coming to dinner? Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And I'm Dave Sellers. And it is fantastic to be back here with the di- with you guys in the diner. Ladies, uh, we aren't sure where one of them's at. And the other one we knew wasn't going to be here. But uh, So is this going to be the guys tonight? It's been a while since we've done the show. Yes, it has. I miss the diner. Yeah, we know it. So uh, it's partly my uh, my fault. And I say my fault. I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, obviously, there were some family issues that I was working through, and everything I think is okay. You know, it's just um, kids going through transition, and it was just October was pretty busy, so we did not do much recording at all during that month. So, but but here we are tonight to record and bring you some more diner. That's always good. It is a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is a good thing. So uh, we are a diner. So uh, what's in the menu tonight? So we'll talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the upcoming uh, crisis on infinite earths that uh, will be on CW in a few short weeks. Uh, talk about how well the movie uh, Joker is doing. Maybe talk a little about Terminator Dark Fate. Uh, I, I had a chance to see it in opening weekend. And we'll be sharing our interview that we did at Shrew Leave with uh, John Cluffer. Very good. Very good. Well, why don't we go ahead and head into uh, what's going on in our sci-fi world. And we'll start with Mr. David himself. All right. Well, um, in the gaming aspect of things, I have recently procured and found a way to get all four Mass Effect games on my PC, which is like having a kid at Christmas again, because I'm, it's my favorite, uh, my favorite console game series that has ever been created. Um, what, and I what, get to play it on PC. What, what, what for you makes it such a good series? The story itself, um, especially through the first three, cause they run a concurrent, a continuing storyline. Um, it, it's, it's a very compelling story. It gets you sucked into it where in the, especially in the, in the third and final, the third game in the final chapters of that, when you're facing down the, the big crisis at the end and you're, you're playing this game and your heart is pumping. Like you're the actual guy running, doing this thing. It's, it draws you in so much and it's just great. It's just great. Bioware, um, the games I've played have been from Bioware that they've uh, been able to kind of customize the game a little bit to the player, where anytime your character has an interaction with an NPC, especially like a main one through a cutscene, you have a, a, the option of choosing kind of which, how you're going to respond and the way you're going to address the conversation. And it actually affects you a little bit here or there. And each of the, especially the first two games, there are certain choices you come across that depending on how you do it has an influence in the next game to what's going to happen and what you're going to have available as far as resource and personnel wise to move forward. So it's, it's really interesting. And I haven't, I've never played them the same way twice. Well, very good. 
Yeah. So it sounds like you have some hours of entertainment ahead of you then. I certainly do. I certainly do. Yeah, yeah. So um, if we don't see Dave come out of his cubbyhole at school, <laughs> we will know. We will know what's going on. I brought He's my computer in and hooked it up. Yeah, that's yep. right. That's right. Anyways, go on, David. So um, that's been the big gaming thing. Um, the one thing I'm really excited for, you know, since we're having a, uh, we're posting an interview from last year's Shore Leave, they just announced the first guest for this year's coming Shore Leave in July. And a guy by the name of Dennis Lawson, which Star Wars fans, you would know him as Wedge Antilles. So I am pretty excited about that, especially since it's now tying into the new movie coming out. And also really tied into the book I just finished reading, uh, Star Wars Resistance Rising, which is the prequel novel to um, Rise of Skywalker. Really good book. Um, the bigger of a Star Wars nerd you are, as far as char- knowing characters and all of the expanded, the current expanded universe stuff that's canon, the more you get to enjoy it. Um, they pull back, they pull from the, uh, aftermath trilogy, a few characters from there, they pull characters and names really like Inferno squad from uh, star Wars battlefront Two, the video game. It's, it was, it was a really good novel. It, I think it's hopefully it's a good setup, um, for the coming movie. Good, good. Cool. That sounds fantastic. All right, uh, Miles, what are you? Uh, not really science fiction, more like spy-fi, but maybe they'll incorporate some maybe sci-fi things through it. But uh, Amazon Prime's Jack Ryan, the second season's back. And so I, I started watching that, enjoying that. Watching Outlander on... Right now it's on DV. Uh, I've watched on DVD from Netflix, but I'm pretty much caught up with that one now. Also watching uh, The Watchmen on HBO, and uh, I'm not caught up in these shows, but they're on my radar. I watch them when I can. Uh, DC's Titans, uh, CW's Flash, Supergirl, and Black Lightning. I did get a chance to see Terminator: uh, Dark Fate. Um, I read the Star Trek novel by Greg Cox, the uh, Antares Maelstrom. It's an original series novel. Also read a novel called uh, Time Sensitive, a uh, time travel novel by Elsie uh, Douglas. And I'm currently reading Collateral Damage, uh, a Star Trek Next Generation novel by David Mack. And what's interesting for me is the, the Star Trek novel writers have been writing Next Gen, uh, basically keeping the story going since... Um, uh, the last uh, Star Trek Next Gen movie and seeing Picard um, I, I asked a, at a, a panel of theirs are you guys going to find a way to tie it together and they just kind of said we're, we're kind of working on it um, but I, I think what's going to end up happening is what's going on in the novels is going to be in a separate universe than what's going on in the new TV show but time will tell Right, we shall see. Mm-hmm. We shall see. Are you like? Are you liking that book so far? Oh yeah, uh, it's it, yeah, it's quite good. I'm about halfway through it. It's it's next up in my Audible queue. So yeah, this David Mack. So it too. has to be good. Yeah. Matt Mack is a great writer. I always, you know, he's worst his books get as good. Uh, so and there's a lot of a lot of content in this book. I mean, it's, as far as it's a lengthy book, which I'm glad about. That means I can broke for a while um so that's that's what i'm enjoying right now cool it sounds fantastic Mm -hmm. um yeah i watched the first season of jack ryan but i haven't picked this one up yet so do you enjoy the second season yeah i've watched about four episodes so far and yeah i'm thinking yeah i'm enjoying this too and i wanted a question for you about your list you had uh outlander on there and i know that we've talked about outlander before but it's one of the things that resonates with you about outliners, does it tie into for you your Irish heritage a little bit? I know. Um, 
Not so much. It's more. It could be. It's the time travel thing. It's uh, okay. Yes, you are a it, time it, travel fiend. I, I I am, and 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 the human story of watching uh, our our heroes interact with people in the past and just their worldview button up against somebody else's worldview. It's it's all very interesting. I mean, the heroine in the story is struggling with the fact that. These people own slaves. Uh, they're they're in their colonies right now. This is just before, maybe like ten years before the Revolutionary War, and she's struggling with that. And and and, there's something, and, and she wants to help somebody, but she can't because of the the be blowback about it. It's just it's it's very well done as far as that kind of thing. It's just push you know pitting maybe modern day wor- worldview versus worldview from three hundred years ago. Yeah, well, very cool. So. In my sci-fi world, what is what has been happening is I don't watch a lot of stuff right now because of time, uh, but I am reading the uh, book Expeditionary Force. Um, it's actually the series by Greg Allison, and I just finished book five in the series it's called Zero Hour. Um, and again, the thing I like about this series is there's an AI that's just a jerk, and he's fantastic. So one of my favorite characters in there. And then the other central character is kind of his foil is, is equally as funny. Um, I find myself running and they'll be, they'll say a line from the book and I will just burst out laughing because it's just such an image. That's one of those <laughs> things. Um, then the other book series I've been reading, I got into the book cause I do the, I do the podcast, you old orbital sword. And we read this book by Sarah J Moss, um, throne of glass, um, and so female heroine, it's kind of a, uh, a teen novel, maybe a little bit more, more mature teen. And, um, and so David Moulton, who some of, you know, kind of, uh, got us into this book. I was cursing him partway through it cause it read a little bit like a Harlequin romance. Uh, but it's not that. And the character really grew on me. Um, so, and so it's, it's fantasy and it takes place in a world where magic has been banned, except of course it hasn't, uh, because you can't ban magic, but that's kind of the premise of it. And, uh, their central character discovers that she is not all she thinks she is, um, that there is a past, a history, a lineage she comes from that is quite eye opening. And we're only now like, so I read book one. And immediately loved it so much, I began book two, Crown of Midnight, and uh, and just really, really, really have enjoyed it. So, don't know if I'd recommend it to you guys because you have to be kind of into that thing. But it is, um, it was very good. In fact, I was debating: do I go back to Expeditionary Force or read this? And I chose this, so that tells you a little bit about how much what I thought of it. So, so really, cool. yeah. Go ahead. No, I just said cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it is good. And then, um, then the other thing I've been doing is uh, from the gaming world. Um, I have not been playing a lot of Overwatch, but I coach Overwatch, and both of our teams have made it into the playoffs. Which for a first year program that was kind of cool. So out of thirty three teams, one of them was ranked fourteen, and one of them was ranked number eight. So nice. Yeah. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. And so our games are a week from now, a little bit over a week from now. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, and then the last thing is um, I mentioned before in the podcast, but I play league of legends uh, very casually, I might add, um, but they just had uh, the, basically the world series of league of legends this weekend in Paris. And uh, the opening, the, the whole series gave me chills. It was just a, the opening ceremonies were incredible. And it was certainly um, engaging, and it's just I'm just amazed at the way uh, gaming has become such a worldwide phenomenon. As far because it used to be when I was growing up, just as something you did in your mother's basement, you didn't let yourself out, you know. <laughs> so seriously, and so that stereotype, I think there's still a little bit of that stereotype there, but yeah, it was definitely more of a subculture back then. Now it's mm. much more mainstream, much much more accepted. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's uh, that's my world. I don't know that there's a lot of other sci-fi that is popping onto my radar right now. 
Well, you did watch some of those uh, short treks with me last I time. Did. I did. I watched. I watched the uh, triple one, which was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that was great. That wasn't was it? Uh, that was pretty fantastic. And the other one I watched, uh, the one uh, Twenty One Questions with Spock and the uh, Number One, was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what do you do when you get Spock and his very first day stuck in an elevator? It was. It was. It was. It was well done. And you know what makes those series always even better is like, oh yeah, we chatted with. Ethan Peck, and we chatted with Anson Mount, and da 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 da. da, da. It always brings a relevancy in a to to a series in a little bit different of a way when we've done that. So, of course, we got a little connection going now. And we do. We got it. Mm-hmm. In. Yeah. So, um, um, I have a question for you guys because you're such Trek nerds, much more than I am. Um, and this deals a little bit with this uh, with with. Um, you know, Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery and everything. So Star Trek, when it came out in the late 60s, um, was not even really groundbreaking. I mean, it kind of, it was met with kind of, uh, is it safe to say that it was met with kind of uh, lukewarm reception? It was after it went off the air that it really began to give traction. Is that correct? Um, I think it, it, it yes and no. Um, the first season, I think you could say it was groundbreaking because for, for its day, the special effects were, you know, pretty good for then the stories being told were, you know, kind of brown groundbreaking, but what, what Star Trek ran into was the, the network wanted to cancel it and, and it, it only got third season because it had, you know, a, a write-in campaign, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, and, and it was, I think, by the third season, it was it, it was on the death slot. I think it was like Friday nights. So, you're, you, but you're right. In this, when when, it, when they started running the the reruns back in the early '70s, um, the popularity for it really took off. So, so in a, I guess, in a lot of ways, then you know. Um, as I think about Discovery and like watching Discovery and some of the other shows, I think there's something in those shows that people are trying to capture their first experience with Star Trek. Um, it's like Star Trek almost becomes like the golden rule. Um, you know what I mean? And then, uh, and so it's not that the, the newer series aren't good per se. It's just that, um, we're always going back to like the glory days of Star Trek, and there's a sense that oh, when episodes were like this, or when uh, when they had these sorts of characters. Um, and I just I was just thinking that it, there seems to be that when I talk to people that are in Star Trek, or especially especially my generation and older, you kind of see that. Am I wrong about that? No, there's a certain formula that made it what it is. Yeah, you know, and it it really got that that changed a bit with Deep Space Nine because you had a an overarching continuing storyline for the first time in Trek history, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not the the magic they're. Tr- I'm not sure exactly what magic they're trying to get, or or what exactly. I guess you're you're what you got in your in your mind when you're <laughs> when you're thinking about that but i think they're trying to stick to well not because i can't even say that well see you know it's such a challenge i because, can't even say that yeah it's such yeah. A ch- you think about it it's such a challenge because on one hand there's a trek we've grown up with and all known and loved which is fantastic but but it, but the formula, if you just do the formula, becomes stale after a while. So how do you evolve Trek in such a way that it continues to hit the points that people have always loved, yet still is relevant, and yet captures and continues to reinvent itself for a new generation? That's a tough. That's a tough balance. It is. Well, I think for one, Star Trek. What what did well back in the '60s and did did well throughout 
subsequent uh, series was the social commentary. Mm-hmm. But as far as how to tell the story, I, I mean, you have some Star Trek fans that don't like the overarching arc throughout the season. I personally like it. I like, you know, let's let we can still, we don't have to wrap things up in a nice deep bow in 50 minutes if it takes you know a few episodes to do it or or make it work throughout the series i'm okay with that too mm-hmm. uh, it, it, uh, unfortunately you get four star trek fans in a room you get five different opinions right right we've said that before <laughs> yeah um so i mean i've i've i mean i've been watching original series since the early 70s so i've been following it for a very long time I mean, I'm open for Star Trek to evolve and change and grow as the time, as time goes on. Um, but you're always going to, you're always going to have fans that kind of, you know, for them, Star Trek is the original series. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think one of the, the biggest things that will really end up making or breaking it for a lot of people, I think, is make it thought-provoking. Don't turn it into some kind of J.J. Abrams lens-flared pew-pew-pew mess <laughs> that's a great science fiction movie, but Trek was always was more cerebral. Yeah, it, it's To me, it's the biggest difference between Star Trek and Star Wars was Star Trek was a thinking man show and Star Wars was a wonderful sci-fi battle show. Right. You know, it, and do you think next year did that really well? DS nine started to go, but DS nine had so many, so many episodes where it, it really, it really hit the, the, the thought provoking, you know, aspects of it. I, I don't know. It, it's you know now we're talking about discovery in particular. Now that they've they're going what nine hundred some odd years into the future, mm-hmm. that it doesn't turn out to be a Battlestar Galactica remake. There, you know, a lone ship lost in space, kind of a deal. But it doesn't certainly doesn't seem that way from the previews. Well, at least with Discovery, it it's not it's not beholden to right. anything going in, in the twenty third century just before the original series. So it, it's not going to step on anybody's toes that way. They can kind of, you know, they've they've moved very forward, so they could they have a blank slate as far as what they can do. Yeah, and that I think is going to wind up being the most important thing um, between Discovery now, Picard. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. I I, I get tired of, of seeing the old TOS error before prequels and reboots and all this junk. There's so much area and space and time there that has not been explored yet in any series. Keep moving forward with it and stay true to what has come before and it'll be great. Now, having said that, Dave, are are you open or not open to a Captain Pike series? Oh, that I'm absolutely open for. <laughs> for the simple, well, but, but for the simple fact that we've we don't know anything about Captain Pike. We have we've seen him in one piloted episode. Mm-hmm. You're not rehashing characters that people have have grown to know and love over generations of being able to watch this show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Give me a captain Pike series because Hey, that again, that's another, you know, five year mission before Kirk took over that you have plenty of, of time and space to, to go with. Well, so this, when I look at discovery, I'm not really seeing, you mentioned Dave, that one of the things that made Trek great was it was a thinking man show. Mm-hmm. I just don't see the same thing coming out of discovery. Well, and, and it hasn't so far, well, at least not, not quite to the levels that it had been previously, but 
there's still been there have been a few instances where I can remember vaguely because I haven't watched it lately where it has required a little bit of insight and some thought but it has been but discovery has definitely been much more of the the more um kind of a cerebral spy especially in the last season with all the mirror universe stuff and that was first season the uh the stuff with uh ah what's his name Voke. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, it, is he a Klingon? Is he not a Klingon? And that big reveal, you know, it, it's Ash Tyler. Ash Slack Tyler. Ash. Yeah. 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 All the section 31 stuff going on. I mean, yeah. I mean, someone that has to be interested as a Trek fan, because people have always talked about section 31 and this is like the first series. You really see it kind of being explored. Um, right. And so, I mean, some of that's interesting, and certainly the whole mirror universe has been explored before in Deep Space Nine and so on. So, I mean, uh, from that aspect, interesting, but it doesn't seem to be, in fact, it, it, arguably the Orville comes off as more of a thinking man Star Trek than Discovery does. Oh, it certainly does. Um, it but, certainly is. <laughs> yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it is. And so, you know, on one end, you might say, uh, well, the question I had is, um, as a society, does a thinking man Star Trek work? Um, are we, are we, are we, are, are we, do we, is there information too bite sized anymore that we really struggle to wrap our heads around something like that? And it's just not as successful. So I say that on one hand. And then the other hand, there's Orville, right? That's doing this. Maybe there's a little bit of a reverency here and there, but, but you still doing that. And so I don't know. Well, discovery is not, seeking out new life and new civilizations. And so the Orville is, I mean, uh, there's been plenty of first contact situations with the Orville and, and, and you have a chance to sort of explore the human condition in those situations. Uh, Discovery, I mean, in a lot of ways it has been, in my opinion, a character based show as far as what's going on with Michael Burnham, uh, you know what 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 happened with her uh basically you know her fall from grace and and, and her rise back to grace uh, what's going on you know with, with with your lead characters like your you know um with saru and second season what was going on with uh spock um so they haven't really done that it's been there's been kind of a character exploration but not 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 in the traditional Star Trek format, which the Orville's doing a pretty good job of, I must say. Oh yeah. Oh Absolutely. yeah. There's no doubt that they are. So mm-hmm. I'm sorry I derailed us in a big tangent about Star Trek here, but I'm sure you guys minded. But uh, how dare you get yeah, talking yeah. about Star Trek? This is not the <laughs> Star Trek episode, but it is it just made I just popped in. I said, you know, how does this play? You know, as we look at um so I mean we have Picard coming out just to push it a little bit longer and it looks exciting and it's it's re reuniting the next gen cast to some degree and and there's all that there's a little bit of nostalgia but even that show the way it's being written and played it does not feel like gener- next generation type episodes at least what, from what i'm seeing it's hard to know without the show being out but, but. right and and even to to, to really hit that last question you asked, you know, is a thinking show like that, something that's even palatable in our society? I don't think so. And it's a damn shame. Um, just uh, watch enough news. I, I look at social media plenty enough and, the simple act of thought-provoking reflection is something that is seriously lacking in far too many of us. Um, but that's just my social commentary for the night. Yeah. Well, let's move on. We uh, we can talk about Star Trek another time. I'm sure it won't be the last time you mention it in the show. 
Tell me about uh, moving into uh, Crisis of Infinite Earth. I know, uh, Miles, you're you're stoked about this. What do we need to know about this? You said it's coming out in a few weeks. Yeah, so the first uh, episodes will, December 8th, uh, the first part will be on Supergirl. Uh, December 9th, the second part will be on Batwoman. And December 10th will be on The Flash. And then about a month later, uh, it'll be on Arrow. And then um, also on January 14th on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So we got a little a little while yet, but, um, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, if anybody's a fan of DC comic books, you're probably familiar with the, the comic book series Crisis on Infinite Earths. So this is this is why it has a lot of us excited for. Man. And uh, David, you excited about this? Um, not really. I, I'm not too into the the DC shows on the C and the CW stuff. My wife's actually into that far, far much more than I am. Um, she's all been about watching The Flash and Supergirl here. I think M is also superhero shows yeah yeah absolutely and i and i and i can imagine that if you like our super bowl girl batwoman flash arrow dc legend tomorrow that the uh that that yeah you're gonna be you're gonna be loving this mm-hmm. yeah um and so it starts december it looks like it runs into january is kind of the crisis infinite earth right yep so i think what excites me what makes you want to watch more than anything is tom welling re- reprising his role as clark kent that's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, as far what what has what's newsworthy about what what another thing that's newsworthy about this I should say is just all the guest stars they're going to have. Holy hell. I mean, they're they're pulling from past superhero shows from recently as as far back as the Batman from the '60s. I mean, that's how far back they're going as far as get, having these these actors reprise their roles. In maybe a cameo role or or maybe some little more substantive, I don't know. But the fact that you'll be seeing them in this is is huge. It's um, it's a it's a nice homage to them, and I'm sure it'll it'll make for a very entertaining uh, uh, series this time around. But these, these like like you said, Tom Welling's coming back, Erica Durance is coming back, uh, Brandon Routh, uh, he's already on Legends of Tomorrow as Ray Palmer, the Adam, but he's, but he played Superman, Superman returns in 2006. He's coming back as that, uh, Burt Ward who played Robin in the, in the sixties, Batman, he's going to make an appearance in there. Um, <laughs> <be> great. Uh, <laughs> now David wants to watch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman in, in, in the animated series. He's going to be an older Bruce Wayne. That's exciting. Um, I didn't watch Birds of Prey, but uh, one of the characters from from that show, who was played by Ashley Scott, she she she's reprising that role. It's rumored, it's not confirmed, but Linda Carter might be in as Wonder Woman, um, and some supporting uh, cast. Uh, Robert Wool, who was who played Alexander Knox, the reporter from Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. Uh, will probably be in there. Um, yeah, so they're really pulling all the stops to, to really make this thing special. Um, so, as, I mean, as a fan of what came before and a fan of what's going on now, I'm, I'm excited to see this. Wow. That's cool. Well, very good. Well, let's move into uh, the Joker. Unless there's anything else we want to say about Crisis. No, I no, no. I think it's going to be I think I, I think it's going to be awesome. Well, you know, so it does tie into this because we have the Joker same universe, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, Joker is kind of a man. Initially, I was reading reports when Joker went, people were walking out of the theaters. Obviously, not too many people are walking out of the theaters. We're getting numbers like this. Miles, why don't you share these numbers? So. The Joker is laughing all the way to the bank over its opening weekend in theaters. The R-rated superhero adjacent crime drama overperformed 
pre-release financial expectations, taking in $93.5 million at the domestic box office to obliterate the October earnings record of $80 million set by a Venom last year. Although the FBI, the Army, and the police departments in L.A. and New York remain on heightened alert for violent moviegoers who they feared would be inspired by the Batman spinoff tenuous connection to the 2012 shooting massacre at a movie theater in Aurora, Colorado. Joker managed to avoid any outbreaks of violence while packing in viewers. Um, box office mojo had it as of yesterday, a domestic uh, 313 uh, million uh, plus uh, international 645 million. So worldwide, it, it, it's made close to 960 uh, million dollars. Yeah, it's set to be a billion dollar movie. That's pretty amazing. Wow. And yeah, the budget is what's really amazing, though. Yeah, at, at 55 million, I mean, 55 million is almost a low budget movie by today's standards. So. Yeah, that's that that's that's a huge achievement uh, for them. And Yaquin uh, um, Phoenix, who plays the role of the Joker, I haven't seen him in anything in a while, so he's got to be super happy that that this movie is uh, making so much money. Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty amazing. I've not seen it yet, and I don't think you have. And uh, Dave, you didn't either. What's that? The this Joker? movie, yeah, Joker. No, huh. uh, kind of makes me want to see it though, but. I probably will not. Um, Me neither. Just, just. I mean, I'm sure. Like I said I, before, when we talked about this, I, I'm sure it's well written and well acted. Well, plenty of other people think so, but it, it looks very disturbing to me. So, it's just not my thing. Yeah, Miles doesn't like to be disturbed. I have delicate sensibilities. Scott. Yes, yes, yes. How'd you put up with Scott this long? <laughs> <laughs> That's how they got delicate. Mi mi <laughs> miracles do happen, Dave. Miracles happen. It does. It does. Hey, here, here's a little, uh, a little, uh, little side by side here. Now, fifty-five million budget for this movie, which is is great. The Mandalorian, Disney's new Star Wars show that's premiering tomorrow on Disney Plus. Fifteen million an episode. Wow. Yeah, I'll say wow. That, that's that's insane. Yes. Did you get a Disney subscription there, Dave? I most certainly did. I did okay. too, but I didn't, uh, <laughs> did you can't download the app yet, can you? No, I've been trying. So it'll be. I tomorrow. imagine it'll be available on all the devices you want it to be available. I, I subscribe to. It starts tomorrow, right? Yeah. So. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. We'll see what happens. So, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about Terminator: Dark Fate. So, I did not see this, Dave. You did not see it either, did you? No. But Miles, you did. So, did. go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about this, and okay. feel free feel free to spoil it for me because it, that doesn't bother me. Dave, mm -hmm. does it bother you if he spoils it? Not in the least. Okay. Let me, well, let, me let, let me guess. Machines try to take over the world. Do I got it? That's part of the story. That's always part of the story, though. <laughs> okay. So I saw this with a couple of my friends. Uh, my my friend Carl said when he was looking at reviews, he said people are either loving this movie or they're hating this movie. There's very little in between. <laughs> so, and after we saw it, three of us we all liked it a lot. Um, I'm hoping that uh, it makes enough money that they'll they'll continue continue making maybe some more movies from from coming from this uh, storyline. Um, you want me to tell you briefly what what it's about? Sure. Okay. Spoiler uh, alert! If you didn't see this yet, we're gonna spoil yes. the heck out of it. If you yeah, skip if, this review, if you wanna, uh, if you don't want it spoiled, just if, or you, if you get get it spoiled, blame Miles. <laughs> but anyways go ahead so our our story takes place um a lot of it's in mexico um this young woman is she works i, I believe at a automotive plant um we we find that the, 
she, she gets attacked by this uh, Terminator and this, this, this woman from the future who has been augmented and enhanced. Uh, she, she time travels and, you know, she's trying to protect this woman. And in, in one scene where the, we, we, we meet the new Terminator, this Terminator, he has both. He has a liquid metal um, part of him, like we saw with the T-1000, but he also has an endoskeleton. So he kind of, he, he, he has two parts to him, and which he, makes, he uses to his advantage. Um, but just as soon as th this Terminator is about to, looks like able to, you know, his target is this, this young uh, Mexican woman. Um, uh, Sarah Connor comes out with a, a bazooka and um, is able to uh, le at least temporarily uh, subdue him. Um, we find out what, what, what she's been doing for the last almost 30 years. Uh, we find out that after, after her and John Connor and the T-800 are able to kind of destroy Skynet or Cyber 9 and Skynet in their time. Um, the idea is once you change something in time, you set other things in motion. Um, so they were successful in stopping the creation of Skynet and, and also Judgment Day. But uh, what we didn't know was there were other T-800s sent to the uh, to the past to try to kill John Connor and one of these T 800s, uh, does kill John Connor, uh, while they're hiding away in, um, South America. Um, good use is, is made of uh, motion capture. I think, I think that's what technology is called where basically it makes you, makes you look 30 years younger. So I, I, I think Edward Farlong did make an appearance for this. So you see a young John Connor, a young, um, Sarah Connor and a, and a younger looking Arnold Schwarzenegger in this scene where he, he kills John Connor and then he go, goes, goes off. Um, so she, she, she's been basically when she, she gets, uh, texted from somebody she doesn't know saying there's a Terminator here and she's basically killing the Terminators wherever she can find them. Huh? Yeah. Well, so we, we, we find we find out um, that the the young woman she comes from the time of of 2040. It's not she's not fighting Skynet. She's fighting something called Legion. Uh, basically, uh. What you, basically when you you destroyed something, it creates a vacuum. So Legion was this um, AI and uh, that developed in the future um, and developed. You know, Terminators, and basically, basically, the humans are trying to, you know, fight off Legion. Uh, Legion is basically take, you know, taken over. It's it's basically a similar situation. What it just that happened in, in the other Terminator movies, except it's not Skynet they're dealing with now. It's Legion. Le Legion is a different thing, but it's very similar to Skynet as far as it being an AI and having Terminators to uh, do its bidding. Interesting. Mm. Uh, what we find out also is um, the 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 woman sent from the future to try to save this girl. She she's been given an address, and it's um it's it's the same address that Sarah Connor is able to find out. She wants to find out who has given her this information to go after these Terminators, and they find out it's the T eight hundred that actually killed John Connor, and um, so. Sarah ha kind of has to deal with, you know, this Terminator. Well, this Terminator, after Skynet was destroyed um, and, and never came to be, uh, he basically basically lived life as a human for the last thirty some years. And as, as much as a uh, Terminator could felt remorse for killing John Connor, he did, and so to help. He thought he was helping Sarah Connor out by giving her information where these other Terminators were, so she basically had a purpose in life. Um, but uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger does a good job of playing, you know, his dry sense of humor. He, he's basically a, a, um, 
he, he sells curtains. He's, he goes by the name of Carl as Carl's curtains. He sells and, um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he kind of has a girlfriend and adopted son in, in, uh, in his new life. But, um, he assists Sarah Connor and, uh, these two women and, and trying and trying to save them and also root out the Terminator. They call them a rev six. Um, but basically how to deal with him. Um, but, but, but she says, sometimes she says, when this is all over, I'm going to, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, I understand. And, um, <laughs> um, there's a great battle scene at the end at a hydroelectric plant. Um, both, both terminators end up pretty much destroyed. And what they find is that the, the Sarah kind of thinks this young girl might be like her, the, the future's version of her basically bearing the, the resistance layer. Well, no, this young woman ends up being the resistance leader of the future. And that's why this young girl, the other, the, the human, the young woman who went back from the future, she said she rescued her when she was a child. And so she, she volunteered to go back to try to save this young woman. Um, so it's like the way they kind of, I, I'm trying to figure the right way. Basically, she's the new John Connor. That they managed to stop Skynet from being created, but they kind of still um, they just delayed something else from taking its place, and delayed you know delayed Judgment Day uh, like uh, almost twenty years or whatever it was. But the way they ended the movie. Um, they didn't, you know, that the, there could be sequels in the future. I think if they if they decide to do, do more movies, there can always be sequels in the future. Yeah, but the way, but they didn't wrap it up. In, I mean, like T two, they almost wrapped it up in a nice neat bow when they when they, um, you know, destroyed Skynet and destroyed the other Terminators. Uh, they, they they destroyed the the Terminator that was going after this girl, uh, but. You know this thing, Legion, is still exists in the future, and um, it's something they're still got to deal with if if they if they still choose to tell that story. Now, did this movie pretty much take everything after T two and say, "Yeah, forget it." Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, the the other three films exist in a different timeline. Uh, James Cameron came back to uh, he was one of the writers for this story. He didn't direct the film. Uh, Tim Miller directed it, um, but yeah, you could definitely watch this and tell this. This has J- James Cameron's uh, fingerprints on it. Cool. Yeah. So, I, I really liked it. I'm one of the people that really liked it, and I, I, I know there are some criticism saying this film is maybe too woke and having all these female characters or whatever. My feeling is okay. Yeah, it does, but it was done organically. It wasn't on the nose. It wasn't um, forced. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, David, do you like the Terminator franchise? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, have you seen most of them? Maybe except for this Cast. one. Yeah. This is the only movie I haven't seen. So. Yeah. 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 So. So I, I think it, it works. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so uh, I was going to ask you to turn the question to you now. Uh, so neither of us have seen it. We've seen most of the other Terminator movies. Um, as a Terminator fan, do you feel that this is a must-see in theater? Or can David and I, like, wait till it comes out on Netflix? I really <laughs> enjoy I, I, Yeah, that, that I, that's a difficult I'm question, not, I know. Yeah, it's a difficult question. I mean, because... Most movies I see, I could probably see. Wait till I, I can see it at home when it's available on streaming or something. Um, if you guys want to wait till it becomes available as a rent awards comes streaming, I don't think you guys are going to lose anything. I enjoy seeing it in theater, but it, it, I don't. It, it's not a must. You have to see it in theater. Right. Right. But that, sure. that, that 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 that's not disparaging this movie yeah. at all. It's just. Yeah. Um, well, unless yeah, you want, sure. unless we want more made, then we probably should go see it in theater. <laughs> well, well, yeah, you know what? Good point. I mean that 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 will 
you know, let the powers that be in Hollywood know that um, we, we voted with our with our uh, wallet that yeah. we, we like we like this. And we want to see more in the future. Yeah. Well, so uh, so as far as in the Terminator franchise, does this? Uh, I'm not going to ask you to rank all the movies, but is this one of the better movies? Is it kind of a middle of the road movie? Is it the worst Terminator movie ever made? I mean, what, where do you kind of place it for yourself? I was, you know, I would say it's probably the third best Terminator movie. Okay. One being the best, two being second best, and then this one. Uh, the other ones, I, I liked. I liked most of them. Yeah, Genesis uh, and Salvation were phenomenal. I, I enjoyed both those films very much. Um, you know, I, I can understand the criticism about three, yeah. but. Um. Yeah, that's that, that's how I would I would rate it. I mean, okay, good. Uh, the, yeah, I I think they, they they did some good work with this film. Good. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing us your review. Any questions for him, David? Are you good? No, I'm good. All right. Well, why don't you guys lead us into our interview tonight? So we we have a we are t- speaking of Smallville as we mentioned earlier, Crisis Infinite Earth. We have. Mr. John Glover. And how will we know Mr. John Glover? John Glover played um, he had the reoccurring character on Smallville for for 10 seasons. Um, and I, I think he was one of the best characters on Smallville myself. Uh, John Glover, he has done so much in Hollywood TV and movies. And, and uh, voice acting. He's done a lot of voice acting for some of the uh, animated superhero shows also. Uh, he's also in one of my favorite Christmas movies, uh, Scrooged, with uh, Bill Murray. He was in that one, I forgot. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, so so we had a chance, or I should say you guys had a chance to sit with down with him at Shoreleaf. Tell me a little bit about that experience. I, I, I wasn't sure I was get much in the way of interviews, but um, we really get a little help to... to to interview him. He, he was very gracious and let me talk to him for several minutes. And he, um, I actually had a, a funny experience with him in the restroom. At the, 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 he, he, you know, <laughs> and I know just saying that, 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 that conjures up some, do know, we, uh, maybe this is a family friendly show. Maybe we do we need to like change the rating of he, that or anyway, but no, no, we he complimented. I, I was wearing some kind of sci-fi theme, t-shirt i forget which i forget which one it was and he complimented me on it and i said oh thank you then i looked it's like oh that's john glover how cool is that <laughs> um so yeah i know it sounds it sounds worse when i mentioned that part but um it, it's it's very it, it it's very harmless and, and innocent oh good good and he's a local man. He lived. He, he was born in Salisbury, Maryland, which from us is not that far away. He so he was kind of coming home um, when he was doing this uh, convention. The, the person who we were going through to help us get interviews, he, he was kind enough to ask Mr. Glover if if he um, if he wouldn't mind being interviewed for our podcast. And um, Mr. Glover was. Uh, very receptive to it. And, you know, told us for an audio podcast. And, um, so he, he just let me, you know, ask him some questions. He kind of laughed when I mentioned, um, Scrooged, but, uh, he had fun talking about that one. Um, he was there with a bunch of people from the Smallville cast. It was kind of a Smallville reunion at this convention this year. Uh, and they, that, so that was, that was, that was fun also. Oh, good. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it, and uh, we'll be sharing it with you in just a little bit. I see once again you managed to walk away from a major debacle unscathed. (laughs) I was only there at uh, Summerholt, Lex, because I was concerned about you. And Clark. I was as shocked as you were to find out that Dr. Gardner was holding him there against his will. In yesterday's melee, I didn't get a chance to tell you about a repressed memory I recovered. Oh, Lex. 
Don't worry, Dad. It wasn't about the seven weeks. It was about Julian. Yes, well, we uh, put that tragedy behind us years ago, didn't we? I didn't kill him. Lex, I understand that you need to uh, excuse your behavior, but I... Uh, I saw you, Lex. I saw you standing over Julian's crib. It's the past. It's history. Mom did it. I walked in and I found her. That's what I repressed. Don't you dare. I won't let you desecrate your mother's memory like that. I don't blame her. I blame you. What are you talking about? Your mother loved Julian. She would never... She wasn't capable of murdering her own child. She loved him. Loved him so much she couldn't bear the thought of subjecting him to your particular brand of parenting. All right, Lex. Why would you take the blame for your brother's death? Because I was your sole remaining heir, Dad. I knew you wouldn't let anything happen to me. But Mom, she would be the lamb to the slaughter. Ladies and gentlemen, we're at Shore Leave 2019 and we're hanging out with Mr. John Glover. His IMDb page is a, tr is a tremendous resume of stage, movies, voice acting, and popular TV shows for over four decades. Just a few months ago, Mr. Glover was in the movie Shazam, which has now been made available on DVD and Blu-ray and digital download. Fans of Smallville know and love him for giving life to the character of Lionel Luther throughout Smallville's 10-season run. Mr. Glover, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us at the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Well, it's my pleasure. Delighted to meet you, sir. I watched and enjoyed Smallville. I thought it was a brilliant... I thought it was brilliant to inform why Lex Luthor was the way he was, and so we get introduced to his father, which I believe is the first time in any Superman series. What inspiration did you draw from in creating Lionel? Well... <laughs> it was a time when, uh, when my father was starting to fade. My, uh, my mom had died. And, uh, uh, and so I, uh, fathers were of interest to me. So I look at strange child that I was hired to father. And, um, and I, um, I just tried to channel my dad. Uh, and uh, and realized that um, my son was weak, and that I had to make him strong. But it was I, I I just added as much love as I could that I felt for him, like the whole thing when I gave Lock, uh, Lex uh, shock treatment. That was just to make him a better, stronger person. I did it for his own good, you know. 
Try what? Yeah. So people used to stop me on the street when I'd be there, and so many people would say at a certain point, "I'm I'm so confused. Are you supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy?" And that that was when I sort of knew I was doing well, that I'd made this man a human being. So so he. There were two sides to him. He wasn't just, and and the writers started uh, picking up on that for me. So we, it was a, a nice uh, a collaboration between the, the the writers looking at what I was doing with with Lionel or how I was dealing with it, and, and that uh, they started incorporating that. So it wasn't just a villain. He was a human. He was, yeah. he was very layered. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And they, they did genius of it. They didn't make it black and white. I had a great uh, seven years uh, investigating this Lionel Luther. He was man. one of my favorite characters. One thing I've seen you do with Lionel and with one or two of your other characters from past works is your ability to play polar opposites. Your character is a force of nature and a presence that fills the area he's in. Or he's subdued, awkward, trying to be like that force of nature. As an actor, how do you do it? <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, I go with impulses, and um, I've been doing it for a long time. So, yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I just invent. I, so I, 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 yeah. I just like to play, and and Michael, who. Who, who also likes to play, uh, m- made the playing very lively, and uh, and fun, and uh, and infuriating, and all kinds of human. So I mean, we was a, a good group of people together who who played well. Oh, yeah. 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 Supergirl has made good use of alumni from past Superman shows like Smallville. Any chance we could see you make an appearance playing a different character? Uh, I I have no idea. Okay. I because I, I I've so. never seen Supergirl. Okay. But uh. Oh yes, yeah. several people from Smallville and Supergirl have made special appearances on this show. Would you be willing to be on this show? I I don't. Well, I, yeah, I have no idea. I've, I'm ignorant about Supergirl. Okay. <laughs> You've had a long and storied career. When you're pitched a role, what what might you be looking for before accepting a role? Uh, if it interests me, uh, I mean, I don't I don't know why certain things do and certain things don't. But if a, if a, I mean an interesting story, or if there's a a, a character that that I it interests me. Yeah, it just gets you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fanboying a little. You've been in some of my favorite movies. One of the movies that comes to mind is Scrooged. The movie's over 30 years old, and it still has the power to make me laugh and inspire me after Bill Murray's speech. What was it like working on that movie? It looked like it had to be a blast. It was a lot of fun. I got to work with Robert Mitchum, and, and Bill Murray was so, uh, so uh, generous with, uh, with himself. Um, it was just a wonderful experience, and I was doing the chocolate work kind of at the same time, which was a which we made for a half a million dollars, and uh, and this big budget Christmas movie. But to to be, I I, I mean, it, they show it every Christmas oh, yeah. this movie. So so it's uh, yeah, it's a it's I a the DVD, so I... <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll yeah it. pe- yeah it's a big, and I feel quite honored to be in a in a thing people annually oh it's definitely a classic looking ahead what can we look forward to seeing you in in the not so distant future what can we be plugging uh, i'm going to do a play in new york uh, nice. called fern hill mm-hmm. it's at a theater called 59 east 59th street we start performances on september 10th in new york and we run through october 20th nice. it's called fern hill michael tucker if you're a if you uh, watched uh, L.A. Law, you an L.A. Law fan? I've watched some L.A. Yeah. Law, yeah. Michael, Michael Tucker and Jill Eikenberry were the Butterfly Kiss people. Oh, yeah. So Michael wrote this play. Jill, his wife, is in it. David Rash, is in it. Jody Long. Nice. Me. Yeah, it's a good play. Six, three couples, six people. Yeah. Yep. So it'll be 
be the, be there or be square. Okay. All right. <laughs> And we're back. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, getting that interview for us. I did not have a chance to go to Shore Leave this year. And it sounds like we have some excitement coming up this uh, next Shore Leave. And we have Farpoint just around the corner as well, which won't be too far away. It'll be here before you know it, that's for sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, fantastic. It's great chatting with you guys and catching up a little bit. It was. It was good to be at the diner. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, so we'll keep in the loop about uh, what's coming up next for the diner. And uh, I think we have a uh, review show we're supposed to be doing. Is it Battlestar Galactica we're supposed to do sometime? Yep, that's our, that's our next uh, review. I have to go watch that sucker. I know, twist my arm. But <laughs> I think you're going to have fun going back. I, I already watched it. I had a good time. I think- I, you know what would be fun is we've interviewed like almost every single actor on that show. We. Th- Quite true. Well, not everyone, but many of them. And so it'll be cool to see that. So, but all right. Well, I think that's about it. Do you guys have anything else we need to share? Or are we, uh, we're good to go. I, I think we covered it. Yep. Sounds awesome. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys. Thank you listeners so much out there for listening to the diner. Uh, we're glad you could join us and it's now to time to dim the lights and uh, clean up the tables and get out of here. And so miles, why don't you go ahead and uh, take us out of the show? All right, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see you. Go boldly. <laughs> <laughs>